Good morning, Solano. My name is Muliadi Hartono, and I'll be reading from the scripture this morning from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10 to 24 from the New International Version. I'll invite you to come along and read the Bible with me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him to come along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived, because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the word of God. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning, Solano Church. So delighted to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. When I woke up, I said, there's three things I need to remember. My glasses, some water, and my sermon notes. And I kept repeating that, so I think I have that. Um, well, for those who are online, welcome. Um, this is a tough weather day, so kudos for those who made the effort to come out here. Um, you know, in the Midwest, is where I'm from, this is like the default weather, right? But uh, I've gotten so used to the, the pleasant um, sun, the sunshine out here that I'm missing it. I still miss it, even when it rains a day or two. I'm like, when's that sun coming back? So I'm always checking uh, the weather, something you don't do very often in the Bay Area. So, um, yeah, so my name is Brett. Uh, I am one of the elders here on the leadership team. Um, I'm humbled to be up here, just grateful. Um, and I, this is a labor of love for me. This is my second sermon at Solano Church. Um, but, but Pastor Paul gives me more than a week of runway, so I've been spending some time on this, and I hope this message speaks to you uh, as it has uh, to me. So we are, we are in the closing remarks um, from Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 16, 
We're going through our Healthy Body series. And as Jim said, it's been a year. We've come a long way, have we not? It's been, it's been amazing. We're probably looking forward to a refresh as we go into uh, the book of First Thessalonians. Yeah, next. Um, so I'm not the closer, in fact. Um, Pastor, Pastor Paul will recap the entire book, um, First Corinthians, next week for us. So I'm excited for that. Um, stay tuned. It's been an interesting pivot for me to, to go from um, teaching on uh, Psalm 91 in the summer, right? A very well-known, very beloved Psalm, my, my personal favorite, uh, to something quite different. Um, we are, you know, this is a, an apologue to a letter uh, the verses we will go over, it's written to a church in distress. Um, so when I, when, I got this, when I got these verses, um, I, I thought to myself, was this just like a softball given to me? Like, here's the new guy, just give him, give him this epilogue. Um, but after I, you know, these, these are friendly exhortations and hugs and holy kisses. But after I um, started to um, prayerfully processed uh, these, these verses, I began to see there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of great insights and teaching to pull out of these. And I also, um, I also nearly completed a book by Tim Keller on preaching. So a couple things that really served to remind me of just how far I have to go to, to, to really... Um, uh, you know, fo follow some of his insights in that book. But it also, I believe, gave me some, hopefully some helpful, useful things that I can share with you and bring, bring to you this morning. Yeah, so with that, I will pray. Heavenly Father, um, thanks for bringing us here in this wonderful, faithful community that you've carved out for us here in the East Bay, God. Lord, bring, um, just send your, your spirit afresh into this place, God. Surprise us by your amazing love. And Lord, would you teach, would you teach us using, uh, th through my words, Lord, may my words be your words this morning, and may we be stirred, may our convictions be stirred, may our hearts, Lord, be stirred up um, by, by you and your spirit, and may we leave changed, God. May our heart posture be inclined toward you, our eyes fixed on you, and help us to understand um, that and to, 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 to realize the battle that we're in, God, and how to prepare for that and how to live our lives dependent on Christ, Lord. So may the words of my heart this morning and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. In Christ's name, amen. So who, who remembers the the old days when there were handwritten letters out there. If you're like me, maybe 40 plus, um, you, you probably remember scribbling down handwritten letters before computers and uh, typewriters and such took over. Uh, but does anybody remember um, using a PS, writing PS and then some personal content at the end of that. Yeah, well, only one PS. Of course, yes, we, we 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 did this, and I would often postscripts were cherished, cherished by the reader of that letter, weren't they? Right. Um, I would often read these before, maybe before the letter itself. I mean, this was the good stuff 
the really personal stuff, the stuff that actually mattered a lot. And I had to look for quite a while to find a, to find a letter that I wrote with a PS at the bottom. It took me a long time. Um, and I think there's a slide on that, but yeah. So I have a pen pal named Suchard um, through Compassion International. Anyone? Yeah. And uh, I dug, it took me a long time, but I dug deep back into the archives. Uh, it's all online now. And I, I found a letter with a PS. And this is like the personal stuff. With, with, a type, with, with a keyboard, you can delete, you can easily backspace things. So uh, quite frankly, I'm not sure why I did that. But there's an XO and an XO up there for dramatic effect. Yeah. So today, this morning, we're going to take a look at the... I wanted to show to you the, the structure of the First Corinthians letter and a little bit about my sermon outline this morning. So, yeah, can you go to the next slide? Yeah, all right. I took a shot at kind of a 10,000-foot view of First Corinthians, right? Um, Paul kind of introduces himself, and then, you know, he talks, he's got a lot of, we, a lot of great teaching. We talked about divisions and leadership favoritism, sexual immorality. He, he talks about food sacrifice to idols and disordered worship, and then about the resurrection. So this was the heavy, meaty content uh, that Paul brought out for the, for the Corinthians church. They needed this. And then at the end, we're kind of in that realm of postscript, right? P.S. So... In, in my message, I'm going to break this out into three categories here. The first one is P.S. Remember, we are in a battle, okay? And then the second one is remember to honor those who sacrifice. And the last one is maybe slightly more enigmatic here. Sending all my love, hugs, and kisses and a shot across the bow. Like, what's that about? Well, hang in there and you'll see so yeah, Paul's final remarks are, are like a postscript of a letter. These are a treasure trove of exhortation and love, offering us a glimpse into Paul's heart. His heart really bled for the church. Have you ever noticed that? Reading through his letters and looking at some of that personal stuff that comes out. To me, it's startling how passionate his, his final parting words are here. His heart truly bled for the church. I hope ours does too. All right, so 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on your guard, stand firm in the battle. So these closing words are an exhortation to remind believers we're in a battle, people. And if you recall last week, um, Pastor Paul talked about how as missionaries, we wanna, we wanna be fresh for the fight. Remember that? So I'm going to add to that, and I'm going to suggest that as believers, we need to be fresh for the battle ahead as well. You know, we are, we are living outposts in enemy territory, right? We need to have a battle plan. We need to get ready for life, for the enemy to hit us hard. You know, years ago, I, um, when um, we we consulted the services of a family counselor. Um, we were new parents. And our first, in our first visit, I remember going back and forth with, with the counselor and 
trying to, trying to hit all the points of what I thought a good parent would be. And then, and then the counselor kind of looked at me and he said, so what is your strategy for parenting? And I, I sort of sat there stunned for a long time to the point of embarrassment. I, really, I didn't really know what to say and I, I remember smarting about that for months later. So what if Jesus, what if Jesus turned to us and asked us, what is your plan, dear beloved? What is your plan for holding on to me in such an evil and broken world? You know, I recently came across this verse and I thought, yeah, that's kind of a battle plan. Remember, remember when Jesus said, be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Think about that. Wisdom is extremely important uh, in the field of battle. And again, in G- Jesus said in Luke 21, 19, stand firm and you will win life. I just love that. I had to go back to the Bible and say, did, did Jesus really say that? You will win life? You know, in the New Testament, there are 20 times where I counted where it says we are told to stand firm. And 11 times we are told to be on guard. You know, if we, if we don't have a, a, a war footing, if we don't understand the stakes um, of our spiritual lives, defeat is, is around the corner. So I, I have a few points, a few strategies, a few tactical um, battle strategies for our lives that, I've, that have been meaningful to me in my spiritual life of, of many, several decades. Um, so let's dig into some of these. The first one I have here is we need to recognize our weakness and dependence on God. We all have soft spots, right, in our armor. These are areas where we know that the enemy is going to be working on to, to gain a foothold. We need to be aware of these, right? Um, one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite quotes I came across was this, run, men, you are no match for yourselves. So for me, lust, lust has been a, one of the great foes, in my, especially in my earlier life, my earlier years. But it's a battle for all of us, I think. Um, and run, I realize that running away, just running away from, from this kind of temptation and sin is not enough. It's what you run to or who you run to that makes all the difference. As a youth, I would often read, um, read this verse uh, you know, that's, that says here, how can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to your word. Who knows what book of the Bible that one is in? Yeah, Psalm, great. This verse has been a, a refuge and a counselor to me for, for many, many years. I would run to it and I would contemplate the implications and just, and just enjoy the power that that verse has. We need to live, bring our lives to God and keep, keep close accounts with what Scripture is teaching us. All right. The next one is remain in regular Christian fellowship, right? Some of this is fairly obvious, I think, but one verse that stuck out is 1 Corinthians 1.9. You were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remaining in fellowship is hugely important. It's why we're here today. 
and it's immensely valuable in the field of battle as well as we face down our enemy. You know, look, we all run into stuff, seasons of life, where we probably need to sit out a few. And that's, that's one thing, okay? That's human. But I'm really talking about the longer term, the habit. It's the heart posture that matters to God. And a recent example I have here is I was sitting down with an old friend who said that, you know, he had to cancel a sport for his daughter because that sport met on, Saturday, on Sunday morning, you know. And I just thought to myself, wow, this family really put a guard on their Saturday morning. They did something that's uh, di- difficult. Um, so th- I thank God for, 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 those, um, for them. All right. The next one is st- remaining steadfast in suffering, right? This is, this is kind of a, a strategy, a battle plan for remaining firm in the Lord. Suffering and unanswered prayers are some of life's most perplexing realities I like to think of these as the jagged edges of life, right? We know that life has things that are thrown at us, things that just don't have smooth edges, and they're difficult even for Christians to, to really understand. Um, we don't always understand why suffering remains and where God is. I'm going through a season right now of, of suffering, I would say, yeah. I think it rises to that level. There's a health issue in my family, um, and it's challenging. Unanswered prayer is something that I'm, I'm dealing with as well, I would say. There's amazing resources uh, on, on, on this whole topic that I would exhort you to, to check out. What I've learned is it's okay. It's okay to stand firm and remain in the unanswered questions and accept the mystery and the mess of spiritual life. It's there, it's real. And oftentimes, it's the pain and the suffering of, uh, um, it's the pain of unanswered prayers and our suffering that spurs us to a deeper walk with God. Yeah? Amen. The last one here, stay anchored in truth. So standing firm means that we resist the truth drift. We we resist the drift um, from God's biblical truth in our postmodern culture, right? It's so important that we learn how to think Christianly about the difficult issues um, of our day that we're we're constantly assailed by. Um, And for me, one of the resources that I've tapped into is Breakpoint, okay? If you know Chuck Colson, they, they've got um, these a podcast that really helps. It's, a, it's just a tool. It's a tool that helps us process the world through a biblical lens, a biblical worldview. Immensely helpful. We need to stay anchored. Um, keeping close accounts with God's word is part of this. And letting God's word restory our imagination and who God is and letting God's word speak to our hearts. Have you ever just read God's word and just sat there silently contemplating it and listening to what God is speaking to you? That's powerful. But you have to, you have to be quiet. You have to slow, slow down in that process. 
you know, my mind in the morning lately, my mind uh, is, I get anxious in the morning, especially Monday morning when I wake up to a whole messy world with responsibilities, layers of, of adult responsibilities in this life, right? You have kids, family, mortgage, job, people's expectations, they all crash in. I pick up God's word, sometimes on the BART, and, you know, I turn to wherever. The Old Testament is a fantastic place for this. It's like the antidote for our, our, the stresses of life. It's God's truth. And my life, our lives ought to be reframed in that moment. You know, like, ah, that's what my life is actually about. That's how big God is. He's that big. My life is so much more valuable and bigger than this, what this crazy day holds for me. So staying anchored in truth is a big part of that. Yeah. And then, okay, one, yeah, the last one here is do everything in love. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, 13b, it says, act like men, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. You know, Obviously, courage, strength, we need to ask God for that every day. For, for every day is it has its own, um, its, own, is its own battle and difficulty. But what, I, what really stirred me when I thought about these verses, this verse here is, it's really talking about what, how to be and less about what to do. Scripture teaches us that on the battlefield, in our spiritual lives, who we are becoming, who God is shaping us to be is actually extremely important. It's more important even than what we do. It can be more important than what we do often. Really, in fact, it gets better than that. What we do in our lives, whether it's our vocation or different ways we're serving, is actually less important than why we do it, the why. That's comforting, right? So whatever it is you do, it's your motivation. So what are you motivated by that's actually really valuable to God? You know, I struggle with this. I think to myself, like, God, what can I do for you? What's, what's next? Um, am I doing enough? Am I making a difference? God, I want to do something big for you. I want to get on that next plane to some refugee camp in the Middle East and, like, bring the gospel in a sandwich. But the reality hits. I've got a mortgage, you know, I've got family, kids, and besides, I don't know what I would do when I get off the airplane. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, so God's answer is often this. First, focus on how to be with me and let that, let that lead you into action. Yeah. Doing everything in love also offers up a offers us an opportunity to examine our motives and our loves. Tim Keller once said, what makes us who we are is the order of our loves. What we love most, more, less, or least. I think it's important for believers to go beyond the surface of our thoughts and feelings and explore the why of our motivation. You know, in my workplace setting, I noticed that at the root, at the root of our, our motivation, we're either trying to make a name for ourselves 
or we're trying to make a name for our God. One is rooted in the sovereign self, and the other is rooted in God's love. My point is just to know yourself. Get underneath the surface. Be aware and bring it to God in prayer. Remember that God is with you in this journey, and his free grace is given to us, and it it can cover the ugliness of our hearts. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. The second postscript, remember to honor those who sacrifice. It says, um, so you know that the household of Stephanus have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you to submit to such people and to everyone who joins the work and labors at it. Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaicus have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit in yours also. Such men deserve recognition. I would add such men and women. So Paul found it important in his epilogue to recognize a few of his early church laborers, fellow brothers and sisters from the Corinthian church who supported and refreshed him. Paul asks the church to honor those and those like him. And I think there's two categories here, right? Those who labor for the Lord's people and those who refresh or encourage us, right? Those among us who have a gift of encouragement and who faithfully deploy that gift in the service of the church. You know, we all know that gratitude, thankfulness holds together families, churches, and communities. But then Paul goes on and he uses that one word that sometimes can make us a little uncomfortable, right? Submit. Submit to such people and everyone who joins the work. What does it look like to submit to such people? Hmm. I had to think about this a bit. I think at a minimum it means do not despise them. Respect them, give them a voice, hear them out, right? And how about this one? Bear with them. So with that, I would say, you know, if, if you have a minor dispute with somebody who labors for the church, how about letting that pass graciously? You know, it may be your right to explain how they're wrong about something, but consider their labor, for you. I'm not saying to bury your opinions at all, but there's a time to let a matter pass while we keep our eyes on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul said, just a few chapters earlier, Paul said, why not be wronged? You know, why not be cheated? I think it's a mark of spiritual maturity and grace to let a matter pass between brothers and sisters. Yeah. But I want to be clear that in elevating, um, in elevating church laborers, Paul isn't diminishing secular work by no means. Scripture affirms that both secular and church work, if done for the Lord, is sacred to God. Yeah. But he does make a distinction for labor that is useful to the church. I recently read a book called Pursuit of God by 
the late, great A.W. Tozer. Anybody remember him? I think he was like in the, in the 40s. He's got a lot of great material, a lot of great books. He said, what he said here, that he had a quote in that book that stuck out to me that really nails this point. He says, Paul's sewing of tents was not equal to his writing of an epistle to the Romans, but both were accepted by God and both were true acts of worship. Certainly it is more important to lead a soul to Christ than to plant a garden, but the planting of a garden can be as holy an act as the winning of a soul. Gifts differ in the body of Christ, but the service of the less gifted brother is as pure as the more gifted brother or sister. And God accepts both with equal pleasure. Yeah? Does that ring true to you as well? I think we should celebrate and honor those here at Solano as well. Those who greet us, teach, fix, fix stuff around the facilities, help with children, lead worship, and refresh us with encouragement. There's a lot of people working behind the scenes with their hands, faithfully stewarding their gifts for Christ. And I want to say we thank you. We wouldn't have a church without your labors of love. You know, it's not the role, but it's the motivation behind the role, right? Whether you're a minister or a layman, know this, that every promise and every reward in Scripture, every reward Scripture offers is ours in Christ. Yeah. Special shout out to a couple of DYI warriors here at Solano Church. Um, so I had an opportunity to, to partner with Mike and John Bowman, Mike Thwaites, and uh, there's a there was a repair needed on the church walkway a few months back. And Saturday afternoon, we finally got together and we showed up. And it was like an episode of the A-Team. These guys, they had tools that I didn't even know the name of. And I think I brought like a pliers from the dollar store. Totally useless. These guys tackled a tough problem. And, you know, it largely went unnoticed. But I love it when a plan comes together like this. And the, the verse here is honestly one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It really is. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we told you. Amen? All right. The last postscript from Paul here. Sending my love, hugs, and kisses, and a shot across the bow. Hmm. So it says, the church, the churches send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly. All the brothers and sisters send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord, the grace of of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you. In Christ Jesus, amen. So now we get to the X's and the O's, right? The good stuff, the fun stuff. You know, the hugs and kisses. 
this last farewell from Apostle Paul is full of warm greetings, grace, love. You just have to blush, right? It must have been a release, a relief for the, um, for the church after a letter filled with stern teaching and correcting and rebuking. Wow, right? And it was. But then ironically, he throws in a, what I would call like a punchy little statement in there, right? I think Paul's, Apostle Paul is kind of known for this. We see this throughout, scattered throughout Scripture. Um, for a while, I, I struggled with this. Like, how, how should I understand this? How can I teach this? What's Paul trying to say here? Is he, is he just a crusty old fellow? I doubt it. So, let me frame it this way. In the 1800s, a shot across the bow was a military expression for a very real-world tactic that was used to kind of signal a warning shot. You know, it sends a, a warning to your adversary, and those on the receiving end, yeah, they know they've been put on notice. In the mix of Paul's warm greetings, he takes a shot, in a sense, basically saying this, now that you know God's tender love and mercy, now that you know the truth, if you still remain stubbornly, stubbornly indifferent to God, I hope and pray disaster plagues you until you have nowhere to run but back to God. A curse seems like a harsh thing to wish on anyone, right? But there's an implied hope here that um, they would be driven back into God's redeeming love, right? I think, and I trust you will, that sometimes pastoral, pastoral leadership, who their, their role is to guard the flock, they need to send a warning to those who would intentionally inflict our body with heresy, right? With uh, um, division, or even with unchallenged sin. This is, it's out there, it's real, especially in Paul's day and in our day. So Paul is calling out the wolves, the pretenders sitting among the true worshipers who would lead God's children astray. So maybe we're thinking, that shot wasn't for me. It must have been for that guy over there. But I think we should take a posture of humility and look within ourselves. You know, where is my love? Where is our love for God grown cold? I think the Lord God should be our first love in life, should it not? Sometimes losing our love for the things of God happens very gradually. We hardly recognize it. And before we know it, we've drifted further than we thought possible. And I've got another obligatory Tim Keller quote. I love this quote. It's about the gospel. Yeah, maybe you've heard this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed. That's the warning shot. Yet at the very same time, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hoped 
Yeah? Amen to that? I think our leaders can and must occasionally fire a warning shot across the pews, a loving rebuke or a correction. We need it. I need it. And can we handle it with a spirit of grace and humility? I hope so. That's the gospel. So in closing, how can we connect Paul's final remarks to the gospel? One of the insights from Kim Keller's book on preaching was, you're not really preaching if you fail to connect the, 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 your talking points, your teaching, to Jesus Christ. You're just moralizing at that point. So true, right? Thankfully, the beauty of Christ exemplifies every point made in Paul's remarks. Yeah? How's this? Jesus stood firm and faced death for us. Jesus was the epitome of courage who stood down the devil and a bloody cross and he's standing guard for us against the grave. He scorned the shame of the cross and took our payment. Yeah. Jesus was our ultimate laborer for the church who labored for the gospel and did the impossibly hard work. Well, he was the gospel. But he did the impossibly hard work of bearing our sin and curse in his body. And in case we forget, John 3.16 reminds us the why. Why? It's motivated by the Father's love. Paul was never expecting us to be like our superheroes, right? But to lean on Christ. Christ gives us the strength and the courage we need. John 15, 5. So we honor and celebrate those who labor for the gospel because we serve a God who works through creation and his work on the cross brought us salvation. Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate shot across the bow, right? Directed towards death, hell, and the grave. It put death on notice. And it was the ultimate taunt against our greatest and oldest enemy. I'll leave you with this, this morning. What, what would the Lord say to you if he wrote you a postscript to a letter? After all of scripture has been delivered, truth revealed, promises given, imagine the Lord saying one final word just to you. What would it say? I had a little fun with this and I took a shot at it. Amen. Brett, I am coming soon. Look for me. Remember that I love you dearly but also that you are in a battle for your very life. There will be hardship. There will be suffering. You won't have all the answers. Wait for me, Brett. Wait until I return, knowing that I, and know that I am surely with you even to the end of the age. Yours truly, Jesus. If you're new this morning, here, thank you and welcome for being here. If you have yet to trust Christ with your life, I urge you to consider it 
knowing that there is no one else, no one like Jesus, no one who loves you like Jesus in all of history. I urge you to consider placing your faith in Christ this morning. And if you'd like, please see me or a fellow brother or a leader uh, to discuss further. All right, amen? Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the courage, the strength to live our lives in in a way that honors you and allows us, strengthens us to face the enemy. We ask you to be mightily involved in our lives, God, knitting our hearts, God, with your love, your truth, and your goodness this morning. Propel us from this place out into East Bay, God. Send us out as waves, gospel-centered ambassadors in waves across the East Bay to engage our neighbors, God, to think Christianly and to understand the stakes of this battle that we're in, God. But we know we don't have to face it alone. We know that you've equipped us through the power of your spirit. May we tap into that, God. May we keep close accounts, God, to you with your word. May we study it. May we not trifle with it, but take it seriously, God, and grow deeper in our love for you. Thank you for Solano Church. This is a blessed, joyful, even if beleaguered, community of faith. And we know that our power, our strength comes from you. We trust you to continue guiding us, shepherding us, leading us forward into through this season and the seasons ahead. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brett.